Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the 20 Years of See-Through 27 podcast. A podcast reminiscing about a bygone age in East Suffolk, where there were these places called venues, where people could come and dance, young bands could get inspired, local bands could put on shows, and band members could, well, pull whiteys outside. That's right, in today's episode, I'm chatting via the means of Zoom to former See-Through 27 bass player, Adam King, about his Lyon project, his favourite times in the band, and what it actually felt like to crawl out of Britain's longest bar. As always, I'm your host Richard Trigg, and I just wanted to take this quick opportunity to say thanks for listening so far. And if you are enjoying this series of podcasts, which I really hope you are, please drop us a rating, leave us a review, like, comment, share, all of that. It really does mean a lot. Right, back to the podcast with Mr Adam King. Adam King, how are you? Where are you? And how's the lockdown been treating you? Hello, mate. I'm I'm up in Liverpool. Another lovely grey day. And uh, yeah, lockdown's been fuck. Can we swear? I can't remember. It's been shit, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, 2020 was was just a bad year generally. Um, personally, for me, it had a bad start, personal loss, and. I've just moved up to Liverpool with uh, no money, no job. So it just got worse from there, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually looking forward to coming back to Suffolk um, in half term. First time since Christmas. And um, yeah, I should say that, uh, you know, life's all ups and downs. And I have got two lovely new nieces who, um, yeah, who've come into this world recently. And yeah, that's been one of the, me- the worst things is like not being able to travel really because um, I haven't been, I haven't even met my my niece Georgie who's in Belfast. So um, yeah, hoping coming back to Suffolk in half term and then start summer, I think I'm going to go to Belfast. So yeah, I mean things are looking good now. Yeah, things are looking better, and I think hopefully for most people. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we should probably talk about Leon and what you've been doing with that. How's that all going? And when can we expect to hear the record and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, there's a new track coming out soon and uh, 4th of June. Um, weirdly, this track's called 4th of July, but I thought it made sense to get it out before the 4th of July. And um, yeah, I think I'm just going to drip feed tracks every like four or five weeks and maybe the record will come out like New Year. Are you going to put it out as a record or? Well, I think it would just come together as a collection of songs as a record, but I figured I'd kind of drip feed the tracks rather than just dump, dump a whole album for everybody. Um, it's a bit weird now, I suppose, how people, well, I mean, a lot of people tend to, to not worry so much about the record and just concentrate like on this kind of single thing. But for me, I find it, I find that whole f- concept a little bit odd, I suppose, because we come from a time when the album was so prolific just to have it and see it. Um, mm. I don't know, like as a as a record rather than these individual tracks, but yeah. it does seem to be the thing that people are doing now, concentrating more on sort of singles and playlists. And is that kind of yeah. more of the more of the thing, or are you still hoping to put it together in some kind of 
you know, like nice package that we would that we would have liked, you know, back in the day? Um, I think it is just going to be a digital thing. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think it would definitely be nice at some point to put it together as like a physical vinyl or something. Um, but I think, yeah, just... I just think this things have changed so much and I think there's so much noise, digital noise, not just music, like everything. And when you're releasing music, you're releasing it on a platform which is not just for music. It's it's about what everyone had for breakfast. It's about what settee you can buy next. It's about everything and it's all hitting you at once. Trying to juggle that and Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's I think it's the digital era we're in is, is amazing on so many levels, but then also you kind of miss how things used to be, you know, like you say, like, no, a band could release a record every four y- years and you're like, you're anticipating it and you weren't really that concerned about it because you knew it was going to come and it was going to be great. But now it's like, if you go silent for four years, you're kind of like, yeah. Hello, so, does anybody remember me? Yeah, no, I agree. Like the olden days, um, you you could have that time, that period in between, and the press was so important, and it was also exciting to see them bands, you know, that story between them periods in the press and the videos mm. and the lead-up to that and concerts and getting on the phone to try and get tickets to go and see whoever it was, Ash at the UEA or whatever. Mm. It was exciting. Now it seems, you know, like you say, it's everything is on these platforms, which is not just music, and mm. it's just different time in it, really. Yeah. Um, and perfect segue into my first sort of question for you, which was going back to the very start of your time in C327. Take me back to your earliest memory or first encounter of the band, and ultimately how you remember ending mm. up in it well a friend of mine Joe Leftley he was the original drummer I understand and um, yeah I used to hang around with Joe a lot at his house and we'd always you know we were young and we were listening to a lot of music um, drinking beer hanging out in his bedroom and you know at that time we were going to a lot of local gigs and uh, local bands we were watching and um, he I remember him playing me the CD, and um, I guess it would have been Don Steps. Was that the... I don't know, there's probably songs like So Wrong. Um, You've been the first one, I reckon, right? Like the like the original kind of demo. Like, would Lyrical Force have been on there? Yeah, that was on there. I can't remember, Beautiful Sky, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's those songs, which um, I just thought they were they were great, and, and uh, it seemed, of the time, very fresh and exciting and uh, Joe I think had the conversation or you know he introduced me I mean we kind of vaguely knew each other but yeah we I think did, yeah. he he put the kind of uh, the idea out there and then I remember we had a phone call or something and you and Flatty came around to my parents house in Holton yeah that's right yeah Flatty brought that up in um, in his podcast actually yeah yeah and you came around and um yeah so that was kind of my first memory of it and I and you know, I loved those original tracks, and I think, you know, I wanted to to get involved in a in a in a band that was active, and I'd been watching a lot of bands from our peers and friendship groups, and like, yeah. 
you know, these gigs were like busy, people turning up and like having a great time. And I was like, I'd really like to get involved in that. Yeah. So that was kind of what happened. Um, but what I couldn't remember is whether I actually ever played uh, a rehearsal or even a rehearsal, sorry, with Joe, because he then left. And I can't remember if we actually, if we did do a rehearsal, it was probably only one. And I, mm. but I can't remember if that happened. Yeah, I can't remember. Maybe one and, or two, possibly. Yeah. And I just yeah. thought it was quite, quite, um, yeah, just quite crazy, really, because uh, me and Joe had always jammed a lot. Yeah, I think we saw it as like a cool thing for us, us yeah. to get involved in. <laughs> yeah. And then I joined and he's like, yeah, I've left. Yeah, he <laughs> left. Like, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. What do you remember about the first show you did with us? Do you remember where it was? No. It was in, uh, it was in Blue Notes. Uh, December 2001. Ah, okay. Um, do you remember that? I remember playing at Blue Notes, but potentially there could have been a few shows there, couldn't there? I think there probably was, yeah. yeah. But that, that first one was with a band called Shoot the Jester and uh, Ben Lever's band. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember. I, I remember the flyer, but I don't remember playing it, so. Yeah, it's weird. So I've been listening to, to some of the other um, episodes of this podcast and I was really feeling like I do really it's kind of weird because it feels like a lifetime ago and it's really hard to remember much but then it is weird what you know something somebody else will say will spare off or bring back a load of other memories but also like those instances where we have photographs and video like they feel more real yeah but it's only because we have that document d documentation, you know. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Sadly, I would maybe it's not sad. I mean, I think nowadays people live their life through social media, and we 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 didn't have that then. Yeah, it didn't exist, we, did it? It's lucky that we have we have some videos and some photographs. But you know, I think we we're pretty just enjoying it really. At the time. Yeah, yeah. What was your favourite ever show that you played with the band? I think it was like the, the sort of reunion comeback show we did at the Lady of the Lake because I think when we were, I don't know, how many years had that been since we'd played a show? Um, like seven maybe? Yeah. So it felt like a really long time. And I think prior to that, like we were really uh, driven and worked hard as a band. And I think... Maybe, and we maybe had, um, maybe, you know, we were maybe hoping to achieve a bit more than we did at the end of the day. But I think when we played that show, um, made me really appreciate what we did have because it's like, holy shit, these, all these people, like, it made it seem more important because um, people <laughs> turned up and remembered us. Absolutely, and yeah. And it's like, I think you can easily take what you build locally for granted because, uh, you know, and, and other projects I've been involved in since and seeing other local bands and, you know, what we're not to sort of bigging our own selves up here, but what we achieved isn't as easy as people think, I, you know, like, it certainly hasn't been in other projects I've been in. And yeah, no, 100%. Other bands, you know, but, or, you know, maybe it's a sign of the times as well, like, people just, did go out to shows back then. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And so, like you said, like 
sometimes you can when you're you're just busy in the moment you're not really worried about you know photos or videos or at least we weren't and you can kind of miss it so like i think that's almost the same like we're doing all these shows like local shows and you kind of miss the fact okay well, you just took it for granted somewhat and then of course seven years later put on a show like is anyone going to turn up and everyone turns up again and then you can kind of go that was that moment where we got to appreciate that like, yeah um, so i completely agree yeah um yeah i guess that kind of buzz as well because i remember we were all we all went to your house in Lowstock. Yeah, we did, yeah. And I think we had some food and yeah. I think we were all feeling pretty anxious. I mean, yeah. I definitely was. And then, yeah, to turn up to to play that show was, uh, I guess it was, yeah, a bit of a, bit of a buzz from maybe having much, expecting much less in terms yeah. of... We all uh, tried to, uh, um, we all tried to not drink, if you remember. And we... I remember maybe I was with you but we all got like taxis back to the venue and I remember running into Asda getting a beer and having it inside my uh, denim jacket because we weren't we said we weren't allowed beer I remember sitting in the back of the taxi and Johnny was in there as well and uh, I was trying to open this can in my pocket to secretly drink it on the way there and I remember just everyone being quiet just at the moment he went Oh, and there's a, who's got a beer? And then just <laughs> drinking the beer and, yeah. Mm. That was good, though. It was, it was, that ang- it was, was an anxious 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. going from, yeah, going from my house back there with everyone. Swoosh time, podcast time, see-through style. Um, talking of shows, um, we've also played some really weird shows really odd bills with some mm. really odd bands. But what do you reckon the strangest show you ever played with the band was? Um, it was kind of the, the era as well, I think. Like, promoters were just always really looking for, like, really eclectic lineups. Um, but it didn't always seem to work from, from the audience's point of view. And I think we played a gig in um, Leicester, and we were put, we were kind of put on, I mean, obviously Johnny raps. Um, I think we put on with spoken word artists or something like that. And it was just, right. it was just a bit of a weird lineup. And I think the, the spoken word people were, um, were local and they'd brought a lot of following. And then we kind of turned up. Um, I also thought the rock garden gig was pretty weird. I mean, it was fun, but yeah, I felt like, People didn't, I don't know. I mean, we obviously had some people there. Yeah. But it seemed, I think it was the song with the, the film sample in it. Oh, yeah. Um, the Axel F thing. Yeah. Yeah, High School Killer. I just think some people, I think what it was, because I think wasn't, weren't the, like it was kind of a music venue slash restaurant and some mm. people were there to eat a meal. Or was, have I got that right or wrong? And I Maybe, feel like yeah, I some so. people walked out. I'm not surprised. That, that but, you know, was, I think it was one of those places where you come and go, you know, have your meal, listen to music, and, you know, there's a whole array of bands. In fairness, I'd walk out if I heard that song now. <laughs> I mean, it's all a bit hazy, but, yeah, that definitely, we definitely played some weird, eclectic gigs. We definitely did. Do you remember that gig you put on, which was, I think it was us and just some drum and bass DJs? 
I'm not sure if there was any other bands playing. Ah, oh, down in the tons. Yeah, that was it. Three three tons cellar. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I remember that being pretty odd. I always liked that little venue, but I think we were maybe a bit too big a band. I used to go and watch um, like John Buck's trio in there quite a lot, and it was normally quite good fun. But I think because um, there was like seven of us at the time, wasn't there? Yeah. We had Ju- Julie. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember that being a bit weird. There's just like a massive drum and bass collective there with all their friends yeah. and then there's a bunch of us weirdos <laughs> yeah but um but yeah they were funny times they weren't they podcasting c327 a little bit like casting when you're birding but with less bacon and less fish hooks who was your favorite band that you ever got to play with or share the stage with and who had the biggest impact on you with bands we played with that's a really tough one, actually. I'm just trying to cast my memory back. Um, after I think about this, I'll probably be someone else. But um, I used to, I, we played a few gigs with the Brownies, and I kind of know that what they're doing must have resonated with me because when I started promoting gigs, like they were one of the bands I booked. So yeah. I think they were pretty cool. Yeah. What? see-through song do you remember having the strongest emotional connection to um it's, it's a tricky one i mean i think the original songs which got me into the band which i didn't actually have a creative part in um are probably some of my favorite songs like lyrical force and beautiful sky yeah um but the i think one of the new tracks um stargazing is is something I'm proud of because yeah. just having that input really like sending like just saying I recorded on my classical guitar and then I just yeah I kind of knew it was going to come back in a good shape but just to hear it cool um, I'm really into that song so I hope people can enjoy that when that's released it's got a lot of um, it's kind of like it's dealing with dark um, topics in that song yeah you know, some of the lyrics are quite dark, but I think Johnny's lyrics and a lot, a lot of the C3 songs um, kind of deal with sort of serious or dark issues, but, and especially Stargazing, uh, it's it's kind of the, the song which, I mean, I would always say sad songs are the best, but I actually think the best songs are the songs which float the middle ground, and I think Stargazing is one of those. It's sort of, it's got that... Uh, the chorus is sort of got that euphoria um and although it's about a dark topic and, and you know i can't really say exactly i mean johnny could always tell you more about the song in, in terms of its meaning but it it almost sounds quite positive in a way and i think they're my favorite type of songs and i think uh, especially just the energy that the band brings to to the music anyway like even if it is a dark topic like it's always got an energy which can, you know, make you feel good. Yeah. No, wicked. What do you reckon the quintessential C3 song is? What would you, if someone said, what do C3 sound like? What, what would you show them? Uh, I'd put on um, Lyrical Force. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. This one's going to be a great one. This could be, this could be a long-winded one. What was your 
most embarrassing moment during your time with the band? Oh yeah, so I've thought about this. Um, so yeah, so when I joined the band, um, so most of you guys, you went to the same high school and I, I didn't. So I always, I think I felt like a little bit of an outsider, although we, we knew each other and some of us went to middle school together. So, you know, you and Flay and Paula were in Lemma and um, Johnny and Liam were in Hookworm, right? Yeah. So I kind of felt like, okay, I'm a little bit out of the, out of the group here. So um, I mean, we were having a rehearsal and uh, after rehearsal, we drove down to Southwold Pier. Yeah. And um, I think at the time you guys were quite into uh, your sort of hippie experimentation substances and that sort of thing. So um, I think it was, I, I think it was Flatty's car because I think it was a red VW and that sounds like the sort of car Flatty drives. 100%. And, uh, yeah. And so I'd parked up next to the car. I can't remember exactly who was in the, the there. So I was to the left and I don't know if it was Liam or Flatty in the pa- passenger seat. I think it might have been Liam and he was um, making up this concoction for me to um partake in so i'd never done anything like this before and uh but i thought well maybe i should have a go and see what it's all about and you know like yeah so i i took this thing this big bottle smoke anyway so i'd inhaled that and then uh and then conversation carried on and i passed out basically and i fainted and i hit the floor but then I got up really quickly. Oh my God, I remember this now. <laughs> and I just tried to pretend it didn't happen. So can you imagine it? I'm standing there, passed out, but just bam, right, I'm up again. Didn't happen. So um, I was standing outside of my car, right? So I'm standing next to my driver's. Yeah, that was it. And I, and I, and I think I was just so embarrassed. I was like, right, right. Um, I think I might, might shoot off now, guys. And uh, <laughs> everyone was like, uh, are you sure? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah. And where's my car? Right. And I was standing next to my car. I was probably holding my driver's door. And I, I was like, I had to ask you where my car was. And you had to let me into my car. And at that point, I was still really embarrassed. I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? And I, I locked my door. <laughs> and you guys were like, you're right, Ads. You're right. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I drove home. And you drove home? <laughs> With no word. And I, <laughs> I just think, you must have been thinking, what the fuck? This guy's just passed out. Man, I'd forgotten couldn't about even, that. Couldn't even see where his car is when he's standing next to it. And then he drives home. That wouldn't be the first time or the last time, right? Um, yeah. That was funny. I mean, do you remember when? Do you remember when you had your escort van, and we went to? Uh, we had a rehearsal, and we all piled in the back, and uh, yeah. someone made a riff in the back, and we sort of mm. smoked that on the way to uh, the pub that we were going to. We smoked that, and we all bundled out of the back of this tiny little escort van. Mm. We went into the bar, queued up, which was Britain's longest bar. And we queued up to get a drink, and I oh, think you were yeah. with somebody else. 
And then you, you eventually came in and you walked through, you went past the bouncer and you'd obviously been outside having this riff or whatever with whoever you were out there with. And then you, I remember you saying, um, I'll just have an orange juice. And they gave you an orange mm. juice and you picked this orange juice up and you, you were shaking. This orange juice was shaking so much it was coming out of the glass. And I looked at you and I was like, are you all right, mate? And you're like, yeah, 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 fine, mate. And then you casually sort of put the uh, orange juice down on the table <laughs> and then went onto your knees. And we were like, what, what, what the fuck's happening here? And then you crawled out the entire bar. It's Britain's longest bar. I don't know if I mentioned that. And, and we were like, Christ, what's going to happen as he gets to the bouncer? And the bouncer at the door had obviously kind of seen you crawling out the way and opened the door for you. And you just crawled out. We're like, see you, mate. I mean, that was, that was a good one. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, actually, that's got to be worse, isn't it? Because that was a bar full of people. Well, I mean, yeah. that was funny. And there was another one. I mean, all, all of my favourite stories of you involve a car. Remember that <laughs> show that we played and you accidentally drove forward rather than backwards and you went on a massive lump? I was just going to say about that. Yeah, that just literally, I'd forgotten all about that. And that just come back to me. So we were playing this house party. I don't know if we were staying there or if it was just going to be an all-nighter. But I decided I wanted to leave. And um, I got my car stuck on like a verge, basically. And it was, you know, balancing like a... (laughs) Like a scale. Scales, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like... (laughs) Yeah, And, and embarrassingly, I had to get help to push yeah, it me. this mount. I was trying to tow your car off the, off this yeah. lump. Yeah, I mean, a lot of my, my, yeah, these stories normally involve a car or something. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more, but that's probably a different episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's your, what's the funniest memory you've got in the band? Not necessarily the most embarrassing. What's the funniest time you ever think you had? The funniest or fun? Well, I mean, either or. I mean, the funnest time was obviously uh, Serbia and Exit Festival. Yeah. uh, The travel. Um, I mean, I always like the travel and the stuff that happens outside the music. Like, I was just thinking, like, just little things, really. Like, when we used to um, be traveling, whether we were going to London and just... Remember, we always used to stop at that cafe, like, in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Absolutely. Off the I don't know. Remember when we went in there and we'd all been drinking and Paul sat down and we got some pints. It was about two or three in the morning and Paul then fell asleep in the chair and was snoring. Do you remember that? And then we all went out back into the car or van, whatever we were in. And we just, we just I, left him in there. Yeah, to trick him. And then the staff yeah. had to come out. The staff came out and said, excuse me, I think you've left your friend who's asleep in there. I can't remember that. Yeah, we always, we always used to get all well truck stop. Isn't it? Yeah. Classic fry up at three in the morning funniest i mean yeah i think some of the stories just we have the same kind of i think is it johnny who's telling the story about the pr woman in norwich i thought that's yeah. hilarious yeah yeah i remember she was saying i don't know if you're e17 or rage against the machine <laughs> did she yeah i mean that's um, my- um what was her name i could tell you the name of the company it was impressive pr i said like, well i've worked with muse and Coldplay, and my name's so-and-so and Paul, Paul, I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, I'm Paul Emery. You know? <laughs> I mean, and I, 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 and, and I kind of think that's right. I mean, I mean, Jesus, if she couldn't, I mean, this, this was the time of the streets. It's like we weren't that avant-garde. 
Well, no, I was going to say that <laughs> over, over the years, <laughs> over the years, you and I had loads of meeting with meetings with industry types and agents, and they always sort of said the same thing to us, really, that they loved it, but they, um, yeah, they couldn't pigeonhole it, which was just mental. Yeah. And then you fast forward to now, and it seems to be the norm. And there's so many acts now who are far more eclectic and weirder yeah. than than we ever were. I mean, do you think that? if see-through came out for the first time now that it would be a different story do you think yeah i do yeah i mean i think i mean you know we were really well received locally um and to be honest i think we would have been well received i mean i think these like, wherever even at the time i mean you just have to work hard don't you and play the shows but yeah because it was pre you know there was no social media so you don't have we didn't have that extra platform back then so you know it was very hard at the time for bands to to, to achieve to replicate what they had in their local area yeah because they didn't you know unless you were on a label you had no marketing budget um and the press i mean i still believe the press uh, not the press sorry the pr companies i still think they're a bit of a joke really because at the end of the day if you're press worthy you don't need them and if you're not press worthy, you're not going to get any press. And they don't know what to do with you. Yeah. You know, press rights itself and all these people, you know, trying to take... I mean, we had so many meetings, trying to, people trying to... Thousands that are trying to scam out of you. And it still goes on today. And I think you're, you're paying for the advertising space, you know. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to see the figures of these blogs, you know, and see what their readership is like. I mean, I don't think they publish it. And I wonder why, you know, it's like, yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a rant there. No, it's fine, mate. I just, you know, I think it is insulting, even in those days, when it's, it was her job, right? And she yeah. was, and, we, and like you say, we had so many of these meetings, like, yeah. oh, we just don't know what to do with you. It's like, because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You just, and it's, they're still the same. They want to pick up on somebody who's already buzzing, already hyping, then they don't have to do anything. Do anything, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's rolling. It's like, shit, yeah. people love this band. Oh, they don't have to do anything. And that's what they want to do. They don't want to work for it. And I know that's a rant. And, and, you know, to a lot of people that will sound um, bitter because, you know, I'm a musician who not many people have heard of. But I, I think, I, you know, I think I'd think that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's fair enough. Did you, um, did you ever imagine that 20 years after the fact that the band would be back writing and recording and preparing to perform again. And why do you think that is? What is it about the band? Um, I didn't expect it really because there was, I think when we did the, we kind of did a load of shows which we kind of talked about or build as reunion shows. And there was new music floating around at that time. And it didn't quite materialize or it didn't quite develop. and maybe you know people were i don't know it didn't happen yeah i kind of felt like because it didn't happen then i was kind of like okay it's not gonna happen like that was it um so when these new like the most recent tracks started to circulate i was like wow this is cool and i can't remember what was what's the track the first one that was kind of being sent around uh learn to love the bomb yeah and it just i think it just had that same 
energy and same feeling of like when I heard that as when I heard the very first tracks, I was like, okay, it felt like this this is back on it, back in the game. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect it. And so, you know, and, uh, and by this point, I'd moved up to Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a global pandemic hit us. So, uh, you know, but I'm just proud to be, you know, associated with it and a part of the history. And you, I, think, um, I think it's cool that it's back together. You, um, you certainly left a massive mark in the band's history during your time in the band. And you've had such a massive part to play in the overall sound, but what's the proudest or most unforgettable thing that you'll take from your time in the band? Um, I think just going back to Serbia again, I mean, I mean, from when I joined the band, I think it was, um, you know, I just wanted to be in the local scene. And like I said, I was going to all these gigs and, but they were yeah. village halls, you know, people were playing in villages, you know, within a, I don't know, 20 mile radius. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I went to Serbia, you know, it's the furthest I'd ever travelled from home, you know, and um, that was just really exciting. And, you know, something that would have never happened to me without being in the band. So that's probably like, yeah, the best thing. Nice, yeah. I mean, it was quite a prolific thing for us. Um, it's kind of hard to explain to other people what sort of happened on those <laughs> 11 days really mm. but like um well the first time that we did it but um it, it was you're right like coming from what we were doing and where we lived in the area and what we were trying to achieve and in our heads failing um to suddenly mm. go and do that and that experience it was yeah and we owe that a lot a lot of that to Wombat Wombat didn't we yeah um, it's Paul yeah arranged it um but you know I think because of the travel time and the and the time we had outside of the gig you know yeah I think a lot of my fondest memories of the band are the times we're not on stage you know yeah um just the funny things that happen and and you know it's a it's a bit of a social club really isn't it it's like absolutely mate um What's the one bit of advice you could offer to Baker, who's the new C3 bass player? <laughs> Just be very careful. Make sure you're the last to go to sleep if you're ever sharing a room with these guys. <laughs> Mind you, if you share a bed with Paul, probably you want to go to sleep first. Great advice. Yeah, so that would be my advice. <laughs> now, imagine if you could put on your dream local i mean suffolk um mm. show who's playing who's headlining what are the support bands what venues are at um well it'd be cherry wax all day long yeah just cherry wax <laughs> no other band <laughs> no it, i mean again i think yeah i just feel like i'm repeating other people's answers but yeah definitely cherry wax dacra be honest i'd probably get cherry wax dacra and crawl blind which nice. was the gig um i think lemon played actually there was four bands which should have oh yeah maybe yeah which, which did happen at rumbra okay um rumbra hub but cherry wax didn't play it was a it, 
is that Algamation? Is that what? It was a different lineup. So right. the whole gig had been billed as Cherry Wax, Cherry Wax's last ever gig. Uh, okay. That was the whole promo campaign, and uh, they didn't even play. It was it was members of Cherry Wax with potentially Ben Mullis, right. or potentially not even a vocalist. I can't remember actually, but yeah, I'd probably get that that lineup that that never was. So, but with Duncan and with Cherry Wax, so you know. Yeah. And, f- and why not throw Lemmer in there as well? Nice. And finally, mate, where can people find out more about Leon and check out what you've got coming up and stuff? Um, Leone.com, L-E-A-O-N-E. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. It's been great talking to You're you. You're welcome. Yeah, man, good catch up. Wicked. We're out. <laughs>